You are listening to Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio. I am your host, Dennis Tubergen. Sure, I'm glad you decided to tune in today. Hey, joining me in segments two and three today will be Mr. Lawrence Kotlikoff. Uh, Dr. Kotlikoff actually served on the Council of Economic Advisors under Presidents Reagan and Clinton. He is a social security expert. In fact, he is the co-author of a book that is titled Get What's Yours, and it's all about how to maximize the benefits that you get from Social Security. The book is a multi-week New York Times bestseller, and we will be picking Dr. Kotlikoff's brain on how to maximize Social Security benefits on today's program. You know, I also want to mention that for those of you that are new listeners, we have a lot of resources, a lot of free resources available for you at our website, which is retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. The website, once again, is retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. You can go to that site and subscribe to our free newsletter, which is Portfolio Watch. In it, we give you economic and market commentary each week. In fact, what I'm going to talk about in this segment came from our most recent Portfolio Watch update. Uh, and you can also uh, request additional resources at that website. Our educational events for the year have been completed. However, we will be posting uh, next year's schedule of education events at that website as well as soon as it becomes available. Now, you've probably been paying attention that stocks have been trending up while metals, precious metals like gold and silver, have been trending down as well as U.S. Treasuries. Now, if you take a look at the yield on the 30-year U.S. Treasury bond, it's currently in the 2.4% range as I record this week's program. It has been as low as 2%, and as many of you know, yields on bonds and bond prices have inverse or opposite relationships. So when interest rates fall, that means the price of bonds is going up. Bonds are appreciating. Well, I believe that when you take a look at this short-term term dynamic of stocks trending higher and metals and U.S. Treasuries trending lower, that it is a trend that will continue likely in the short term. There is probably, perhaps, a little juice left in this stock rally, perhaps through next year or so which could mean there could be a little bit more downside for metals and U.S. Treasuries. But the bottom line is this. Economic fundamentals have not changed. And because economic fundamentals have not changed long term, I think one has to be bullish metals and bullish, at least short term, U.S. Treasuries. Now, if you stop and think about a 30-year U.S. Treasury bond yielding 2.4% or so as I record this, you have to stop and ask yourself a question. Who, in their right mind, would be willing to loan the U.S. government money for 30 years at an interest rate of 2.4%? Well, the answer to that question is really found when you take a look at bond yields around the rest of the world. You have to really ask that question in the context of what are other bonds doing? Much of the rest of the world has negative yielding bonds. 
Now, if you're not familiar with a negative yielding bond, it simply means this. You loan a government money, and when that bond matures, they give you less than you gave them. In that context, getting 2.4% from the U.S. government doesn't sound so bad. So that's why I think there is room for a U.S. Treasury rally, especially if and when we see a stock market decline. And stock valuations are very, very high presently. Now, we live in very interesting times, and that may be an understatement. And many of you may have heard of Ray Dalio, and I quoted Ray in the Portfolio Watch newsletter this past week. And again, if you're just tuning in, you can go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com and get a free subscription to that newsletter. But Mr. Dalio is a billionaire hedge fund manager, and he wrote a piece called The World Has Gone Mad and the System is Broken. And he points out that presently, Money is literally free for credit-worthy borrowers. Investors making the loans are willing to get back less than they loan at some future point, and there's no requirement to pay back principal for the foreseeable future. Now that, taken at a fundamental level, is downright crazy. Now Mr. Dalio explains, and I'm quoting from his article, They are doing this, meaning they are loaning out money and are willing to get back less than they they are loaning at some future point because, and I quote from the article now, they have an enormous amount of money to invest that has been and continues to be pushed on them by central banks that are buying financial assets and their futile attempts to push economic activity and inflation up. So in other words, the central banks are flooding the markets with money. And in doing this, they're hoping that the money gets spent to stimulate the economy, but the investors who are getting it would rather invest it than spend it. Now, Mr. Dalio explains that this dynamic is creating, creating a pushing-on-a-string dynamic. And he explains that it's happened many times before in history, but not in our lifetime. And he explains that he talks about it in his book, Principles for Navigating a Big Debt Crisis. Now, Mr. Dalio says that as a result of this dynamic, the prices of financial assets have gone way up and the future expected returns have gone way down, while economic growth and inflation remain sluggish. Now, couple this with the fact that large government deficits exist all around the world and they will almost certainly increase in the future and probably not increase just a little bit, probably increase substantially. That will mean governments will have to borrow a lot of money and the more they have to borrow, the more likely it is that interest rates will be driven up as investors demand a higher return to compensate them for the additional investment risk that they're taking. And if interest rates were to go up now, it would be devastating for markets and economies because there's too much debt out there to carry or service at a higher interest rate. So Mr. Dalio asked this question, where will the money come from to buy these bonds and fund these deficits? And he answers his own question by saying, 
It will almost certainly come from central banks, which will buy the debt that is produced with freshly printed or newly created money. And that's where I want to end, because history teaches us that whenever money is created, the ultimate outcome is not pretty. And those that survive and prosper are those that have tangible assets in their portfolio. So if you're not familiar with a two-bucket approach and what it means, I would encourage you to educate yourself. No one cares as much about your money as you do. Go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com and check out our resources there. I'll be back with Dr. Lawrence Kotlikoff. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me on the program today as a returning guest is Dr. Lawrence Kotlikoff. Uh, Larry has a couple of websites that have some terrific tools, and I'm going to give them to you now, and I'll mention them again. Uh, Maxify.com and MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com, and we'll talk a little bit about what those do. Um, Larry is a prolific author. Um, he has co-authored uh, the book Get What's Yours, uh, which is all about maximizing benefits from Social Security. I have read it. I have it in my library. I would highly recommend it. Uh, he has served in the Council of Economic Advisors. If I listed his accomplishments here, we wouldn't have time to talk to him. So, Larry, I'm just going to leave it at welcome back to the program. Thanks. Great to be back with you, Dennis. Well, Larry, let me just jump in because when uh, people are approaching retirement, uh, I think the, certainly in the, in the top couple topics anyway is how do I maximize my benefits from Social Security? So let's just jump in by having you explain maybe some of the more common mistakes that people make. Well, okay, so the biggest mistake people make is they take the benefits way too early. There's only 2% of people. Uh, workers who wait till 70 to take their retirement benefit. And if you wait, if you take your benefit at 62 versus taking it at 70, uh, you're giving up a 75%, 76% increase in your lifetime benefit. So there's an enormous incentive. Well, sorry, there's a 76% increase in your, in the benefit that will, uh, in your initial benefit that you'll start with. Uh, so your lifetime benefit won't go up by uh, 76%, but it will go up by a huge percentage because you're getting a, a 76% higher number adjusted adjusted for inflation every year. Uh, so you give up benefits for eight years if you take that strategy, and you get a much higher number that continues if you're you know right into 110, 20 if you make it that long, and people might make it that long. We can't uh, discount that the the number of centenarians, people over 100 is our fastest growing population. My mom just passed away a year ago at 98. So uh, people are living very, very long. You have to protect yourself against that downside. And being able to open up a check every month at 76% higher is a really comforting thing to do as you keep living and living and living. So you, you can't count on dying on time. That's the biggest mistake. Another mistake is that people who are like 66 or so right now, 65, they've been born, they were born before January 1st, 1954, they can still um, arrange with their spouse, or if they're divorced after 10 years of marriage, they can arrange to get potentially get a, a free spouse benefit for four years between full retirement age and 70, and that can produce maybe you know 50, 60 thousand dollars for free. So, 
anybody in that age group is still being grandfathered under the old Social Security law, and they should take advantage of that. Then there are uh, people that should take their benefits early because they um, they may be able to turn on benefits for a disabled child, for a spouse uh, who's taking care of the child. That's called a child and care spousal benefit. For young children, you might be you might have gotten married at uh, 58. I have a friend who got married at, had at a 58 or 35 year old. Uh, he had twins uh, in a couple a couple years later. Um, now they're able to get Social Security benefits uh, if he takes as soon as he takes his retirement benefits. So there's an argument for for taking your benefit early if you're if you're absolutely sure your maximum age of life is uh, pretty uh, you know close to the uh, to the present. You're not going to live that long for sure. Uh, and if you have um, or if you have dependents who are who are able to collect benefits but can't do so until you start collecting your own retirement benefit. So all these things are reasons for, uh, you know, that people don't. And then the last thing I want to mention, Dennis, here is a very important one, which is that some people take their benefit early and then they kind of kick themselves realizing that they made a mistake, but they may be uh, uh, 66 having taken their benefit at 62. And now they're thinking, gee, I wish I'd taken it, waited uh, to get a higher number. Well, you can suspend your benefit, uh, under the current law and uh, started up again at 70. And every year that you suspend it, the benefit will be eight percentage points higher when you uh, restart it. So, so it's not too late uh, if you're between full retirement age and 70 to get a higher number at 70. Well, wow, there's a lot there. Let me go back, if I could, Larry, and just uh, talk about, because you'd mentioned that somebody born January uh, 1954 or prior still has the ability to to collect a spousal benefit uh, as their grandfathered under the old law. So let's drill down that, drill down on that if we could. Uh, how, how might that work? Can you give us an example? Well, suppose you have a 62-year-old wife and a 66-year-old husband right today, and the husband hasn't taken his retirement benefit, and the wife is thinking about retiring. So uh, if she takes her retirement benefit early at 62, yeah, she's going to give up uh, uh, higher benefits for herself, but she'll be able to activate a spouse benefit for the husband. The husband can file just for a spouse benefit. He'll get half of her full retirement benefit, not half of her of her age 62 benefit, which is smaller, but half of her higher full retirement benefit until he's 70. And then when she's full retirement age, when he's 70, she'll be uh, full retirement age, basically. She can then suspend her own retirement benefit, start up again at 70, or if, uh, she could potentially even collect as a sp- an excess spousal benefit on her husband's record. If he was a really high earner compared to her and she didn't earn a whole lot, then uh, that's a case where he would collect a, a small amount of money, but probably not in, trivial, uh, between 66 and 70. And then she starts collecting on him starting at 66. Or she suspends at 66 and waits till 70 to collect on her own. So our software, uh, the Maxify, M-A-X-I-F-I.com tool, or the, which does full uh, financial planning, really, really powerful. Nothing like it on the planet. I, I would strongly recommend it. And then if you just want to focus on social security, maximize my security.com, these tools, both of them will uh, lead the couple to the right path of how to get the highest lifetime benefits. 
And Larry, of course, when you talk about Social Security, there's uh, the issue of if you're drawing prior to whatever your normal retirement age is, uh, there are some um, earnings limits and some consequences to earning over the threshold. Can you walk our listeners through those uh, implications and consequences? Yeah, if you earn too much money uh, before full retirement age, uh, you're hit with what's called the earnings test, where your benefits are taxed 50 cents on the dollar if you go above a threshold uh, in terms of your earnings. Uh, but in the year that you're going to turn for retirement age, uh, the tax rate is not 50 cents on the dollar, but 33%. But here's the really important thing, Dennis, which is that po- most people, almost nobody knows, which is extremely important, which is that that benefit that you lose, uh, that you've had taxed away under the earnings tax, is uh, increased uh, when you hit full retirement age. They bump it up in light of all the benefits that you lost. So if, if let's say uh, you're a single person, you're 62, you're working, you take benefits, and you lose uh, half of them because you earn too much money. Uh, at, at full retirement age, at 66, when you take them, or it could be 67, depending on your, when you were born, uh, they're going to uh, do something, uh, adjust your benefits under something called the adjustment of the reduction factor provision. And you're going to get a higher benefit all of a sudden starting at full retirement age. And that's going to make up on an actuarial basis for having lost benefits uh, between 62 and full retirement age. So you're actually not being hit with a tax. Yes, you're being hit with a tax, but then they're handing the money back to you in a higher benefit. So it's a wash. Uh, So people are paying far too much attention to the earnings test. Again, our software handles the earnings test. You can see. Uh, and the re- and the adjustment of the reduction factor, so you can see whether this is a real cost to you of um, uh, continuing to work and losing benefits. You know, if you if you do take benefits benefits uh, at the same time, you're still earning money. So, Larry, if but someone, have, uh, me, yeah, we, I'm sorry, we do have tons of people that that earn just under the earnings test limit. Because they have no understanding of the reduction of the, of the of the adjustment of the reduction factor, so we have clear-cut evidence that people don't get this uh, negative tax that undoes the, the positive tax of the earnings test, and that's really important uh, to get straight because otherwise you're going to potentially take your benefits too early and then earn too much too little money because you're worried that you're going to have them taxed away when in fact you should earn in most cases, earn as much as possible and uh, uh, not worry about losing your benefits because they're going to come back to you in a different form. So you're saying that there's there's really no downside. So if if if, if someone is if someone's earning a hundred thousand dollars over the eight and they're way over the eighteen thousand dollar roughly limit, that that's all going to come back to them dollar for dollar. That there's no really diminished benefit. Well, there's always an if or there's always a catch in Social Security because it's got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of rules. So. Uh, it turns out that if you're going to collect, uh, let's say that you were going to um, collect a spousal benefit when you reach full retirement age that exceeds your retirement benefit, you're going to actually collect off a former husband or current husband or former wife, current wife. And in that case, what happens is your re- own retirement benefit is increased, but your uh, what's called excess spouse benefit, or maybe it's an excess widow's benefit, uh, will be decreased dollar for dollar. So in that case, 
you're, uh, this adjustment the reduction factor doesn't do you any good. So again, you can figure this out on your own. You need the software uh, to get it straight uh, because it's just too complicated. We, I have a, uh, the guy who's programming our software on Social Security is the former head of uh, research of the Army Corps of Engineers. He's been working on our code for uh, about 10 years now, and we're still improving it because we still find nooks and crannies in the two to 300,000 rules in Social Security that we haven't fully perfectly incorporated. Uh, so, you know, this thing is much more complicated than, than the entire income tax. You take the code in our software, Maxify software, to code up Social Security is longer than the code for the lines of code are more than uh, the lines of code uh, we're coding up uh, where we're coding up the federal income tax. So Larry, I've got a couple of minutes left in this segment. Someone listening to this that was born uh, later than January 1954, they're saying, wow, I cannot, I cannot collect on this free spousal benefit. What advice would you have for them? Well, if they have an older spouse who can, they can help that older spouse by potentially help that older spouse by taking benefits um, early in order to get the older spouse the free spousal benefit. If they're old, if they're a former spouse or their current spouse is uh, was also born after January first, nineteen fifty four, uh, then they're out of luck with respect to uh, trying to get a free spousal benefit for one of them, and they have to otherwise optimize. But the biggest issue here, uh, you know, is not free spousal benefits when it comes to maximizing Social Security. It's really just deciding when you're going to take the benefits and seeing exactly how much money you're giving up in terms of lifetime benefits by taking uh, the money too early. And that's what our software is uh, showing you. It's it's calculating uh, your, in one number your lifetime uh, benefits from doing taking your money early versus late, you know, t- taking it the, the optimal way versus taking it the way you have in mind. And the way you have in mind may not be that much different from in terms of what it delivers than the optimum. In that case, fine. Don't worry about it. Just go ahead and do it. But you need to see what you're giving up by taking your money. A lot of people think that taking their Social Security early, because they, they retire early, they think, let's, let me take my Social Security early so I, don't, I won't touch my 401k money. Well, that can be a big loser. Uh, and you can see this when you run Maxify Planner the Maxify.com software is M-A-X-I-F-I, not F-Y.com, because uh, it is true that by taking your retirement account money, you have to take, you have to pay more taxes early, but you're, you're, if you're not working, you're in a low tax bracket, so you're not paying that much more in taxes. It's a good time to be taking your retirement account money because they're taxed at a low rate. And yeah, you're going to lose some of the deferral of the taxes, but the increase in the Social Security benefits by not taking the Social Security benefits, by taking the 401k money first, Social Security benefits uh, later, uh, that move can make a huge difference in your lifetime uh, spending capacity and be a big winner. And people routinely do that the wrong way. They routinely say, oh, I'm not going to touch my 401k. It's got these great tax breaks. The tax breaks breaks aren't that great compared to the what's really great, which is the increase in your benefit, starting benefit, if you wait. 
Well, we are out of time for this segment, but I will continue my conversation with Professor Lawrence Kotlikoff when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. I am Dennis Tuberg, and you're listening to RLA Radio. I am chatting today with Dr. Lawrence Kotlikoff. Uh, Larry is a prolific author. Uh, his most recent book he co-authored that has been on uh, the New York Times bestseller list, the Amazon bestseller list. It's all about uh, how to maximize Social Security. It's called Get What's Yours. Uh, it is in my library, and I would encourage you to add it to yours. Uh, also, a couple of websites I'll give you, Maxify.com. Uh, uh, Dr. Kotlikoff's company has a very comprehensive financial planning software, and Maxify is spelled M-A-X-I-F-I.com. And if you're more focused on maximizing benefits from just Social Security, you can go to MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. So, Larry, we've been talking about maximizing benefits from Social Security, and there is so much to know. Uh, but you know, all that is kind of based on the premise that Social Security will be financially able to pay benefits in the future. And in talking to people um, and in, in getting feedback on the radio program, that's a real concern for people. And I think the most recent Social Security program's trustee report uh, reported a huge deficit in, uh, in in Social Security funding. So if you could just bring the listeners up to speed, what what is the real financial condition of Social Security and how might that affect them? Well, if you Google uh, Social Security SSA trustees report, Social Security Administration uh, trustees report for 2019, and you go to table Roman 6, so it's V, V I, uh, and then it's F1, so 6F1 in the uh, report, you'll find that the Social Security is facing a uh, $43 trillion unfunded liability. Now the official debt in the country is around 23 trillion, so we're talking about almost twice the official debt. So the off-the-books debt that Social Security has is ginormous. It's two years of GDP. Uh, the, the the system is entirely insolvent. It, it's a projected path of benefits way out into the future, and you can't. They're being discounted and, and forming what's called a present value. So the 43 trillion is take into account the fact that money way in the future is not the same as money today. It's worth not, not it's not as worth, uh, it's not worth as much. It's, um, needs to be discounted. It's being discounted around 3%, uh, real rate, which is a strong, a high discount rate these days. So, so you're looking at all those benefits minus all the taxes, the difference in present value, $43 trillion. That's what we're short. That's the red ink of social security. And what we need is about a, uh, 33% increase in uh, the payroll tax. Well, actually, it's uh, the payroll tax right now is 15.3%. We need four cents on the dollar, so it's not quite four, uh, 33%. So, yeah, it's in there. The um, uh, to get the the system um, back on track in, in terms of being able to pay for benefits uh, through the end of time. So everybody in the country needs to on every dollar they earn. Uh, up to the covered ceiling, which around $140,000, has to pay four cents and get nothing else back in return for that in order to keep paying benefits through time. 
So there's a prospect that that won't happen because we have members of Congress and uh, the president on both. And this is not Democrats uh, versus Republicans. The, the Democrats want to cut taxes as well uh, on the middle class, and uh, they do want to raise them on the rich. But on balance, on balance, I don't think they they want to do anything to really fix the long-term finances of the country, which are horrendous, much, much worse. If we talk about the entire country, we're not talking about a $43 trillion Social Security problem and a $23 trillion U.S. official debt problem. We're talking about a $240 trillion overall fiscal gap in the country, unfunded liability, fitting all the all the debts on the books, put them all on the books, uh, net of all the future uh, taxes to pay off uh, our obligations. We're short $240 trillion. So we're just completely insolvent as a nation. So we're facing here uh, benefit cuts uh, that could be enormous. Now, you might say, well, if they're going to cut benefits in the future, maybe I should take my Social Security benefits right away. But we've done with our Maxify.com software and our Maximize My Social Security software, we've done analyses that look at that. And it turns out that you know, even if you take your benefits early, they're still going to be cut in the future, according to Social Security's uh, own statements, the benefits will have to be cut around 2031 uh, by as much as a quarter uh, to keep the system running uh, in, in, that, in, the, in the years right after that. So even under that scenario, if you take your benefits early, they're still going to be cut. If you take them late, you'll get you know, more years of full benefits more years of cut benefits, but the advantage of waiting is still significant. So it turns out that even if we assume that the benefits are cut to the degree that that the Social Security Administration warns might happen, uh, it's still prudent for most people to be waiting till 70 to take their benefits. Now, what's really going to happen here? Well, uh, something has to give. We're going to have to have higher taxes and lower spending and the, way, the longer we wait, the bigger the burden on future kids. And uh, if we really care about our kids, we would move immediately. But what we're doing is running a $1 trillion deficit right now, official deficit this year. The Social Security's uh, not getting it. You know, nobody's raising taxes on Social Security. You're talking about it in the campaign. Uh, this, the longer you wait, the bigger the tax hike has to be to correct Social Security, the longer you wait to deal with all the other unfunded liabilities for Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, for defense spending, for just general government expenditures, uh, the longer you wait to raise taxes, the more the kids will have to pay. The longer you wait to, to cut benefits for existing older people, if the more older people will get their full benefits before they pass away. They'll get off the hook, They'll be left off the hook. So. We have a generational equity issue, a generational justice issue, which is first order. The country, uh, I cannot stress, and I've been talking about this for about 40 years now, how broke the country is. And every year that I talk about it, I'm talking about a bigger problem, a proportionally bigger problem. And uh, I don't see any candidate out there who's come to grips with uh, telling the public, the, you know, who seems to understand the reality of what we are facing or has enough guts to actually talk to the public about uh, the situation. 
So, Larry, you know, when you when you talk about, you know, the math and, and, the, and the lack of really political will to get this under control, and then you see the Federal Reserve engaging in, um, you know, more money creation. Uh, you know, we've talked on the program about what's going on in the repo market, and that kind of goes beyond the scope of what we have time to talk about here. But, I mean, the reality is that either we have to cut spending, we have to raise taxes, some of both, or the only other solution might be the printing press, and that leads to some very big problems, as history teaches us. Yeah. So how do you see this playing out? Well, I see what the Fed, Fed is doing as like a sideshow. Whether they cut the interest rates by uh, 25 basis points, a quarter of one percentage point, uh, more or less, they're just trying to keep everybody psyched up and uh, make sure the employers don't start uh, firing people because they're afraid of a recession. But you're absolutely right, Dennis, that the, the first thing that governments do that when they go broke is to print money. We have a country that can't afford to build a wall. Uh, you know, part of the problem with building this wall, whether, whether you, not think, you think this wall between the U.S. and Mexico makes any sense. And, and now we know that uh, people are actually sawing away at the steel wall that's been constructed. Uh, we can't afford it to a large extent. That's why... Um, it's not an easy thing to get through Congress. It's one of the reasons it's not an easy thing to get through Congress. But we can't afford basics as research to the degree we should be. Uh, we can't uh, spending. We, we can't afford uh, uh, paying for uh, support of the arts. We can't afford to build, rebuild our infrastructure to the tune of a trillion dollars, which is needed. So we are uh, a broke country, and you see it. Uh, we can't afford to educate our children properly to pay our teachers well. Uh, you see this wherever you look. Uh, you see this in the potholes uh, of the streets. You see this in the crime rates um, uh, in the country. You, you see the country is going downhill. It's a gradual decline. Argentina took about a century to go from the fifth highest per capita GDP country in the world to a developing country again. Uh, <laughs> where it had never been. So if you run bad policies long enough, you get into trouble. And Argentina uh, has run lots of hyperinflation. They've had lots of defaults on their official debt. They're probably doing, you know, heading towards one, another one right now, given they keep electing um, radical uh, uh, governments that uh, think that you don't have to pay pay your bills and you can just keep borrowing from the from foreigners and then renege on them. Well, at some point the foreigners say, forget it, we're not gonna lend you any more money. And then you're stuck. Uh, and the, the problem really, Dennis, is that you have these big um, promises to older generations, to, to healthcare benefits, to uh, pension benefits that you can't easily get out from under because obviously these people depend on those and you haven't made them pay for those uh, themselves. <laughs> You've you've run a Ponzi scheme where you take from you've taken from them to give to their parents, and now you're taking from their kids to give to them. And and uh, when the kids are not earning that much money, when their jobs aren't when they're competing with the robots or the foreign uh, workers, uh, and when the population is not growing that rapidly, there's just not enough money from the kids that you can extract in order to uh, pay the old people plus everything else that we need to pay for. So we've been running, another way of saying what the situation we're in is we've been running a massive Ponzi scheme for decades. 
which uh, has been kept almost entirely off the books. It's, um, it's a shameful. Uh, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington, uh, folks uh, who created this country, feared this kind of policy. They are turning in their graves over what we've done here over the decades. And it's been Republicans and Democrats alike. I would say, uh, if anything, more Republicans than Democrats with respect to putting us into this fiscal hole. Well, the clock tells us that uh, our time is up. Our guest today has been uh, Professor Lawrence Kotlikoff. Uh, his most recent book is Get What's Yours. It's all about maximizing, maximizing benefits from Social Security. Uh, a couple of websites I'll mention again, Maxify.com and MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. Larry, always appreciate your perspective, and i uh, love to have you back down the road. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. We will, we will return after these words. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you're listening in today. Hey, uh, in one week here on the program, my guest will be Dr. Bob McHugh of Technical Indicator Index. And in two weeks, I'll be joined by Jeff Berwick of DollarVigilante.com. So a lot of great guests coming up here in the near future. You know, in the first segment today, I talked about the fact that Ray Dalio, who is a billionaire hedge fund manager, wrote an article that's titled, The World Has Gone Mad and the System is Broken. And in this article, he pointed out that money essentially today is free for creditworthy borrowers and investors making loans are willing to get back less than they loan at some future point. Now, the reason for all this, he explains, is that money is being pushed on these folks by central banks. Central banks are buying financial assets in an attempt to stimulate the economy. However, because the people receiving this free money would rather invest it than spend it, we're seeing an artificial inflation in financial assets. Now, Mr. Dalio also pointed out, and I talked about it briefly in the first segment, that large government deficits exist today, and they will increase substantially, and it will mean that governments are going to have to figure out a way to fund all this deficit spending. Now, as interest rates go up, interest rates go up because investors are demanding more of a return in exchange for the risk that they're assuming by loaning money to these governments. So the greater the debt, the greater the risk, and the more interest an investor is going to require to compensate them for the increased risk. That being the case, it's a slippery slope. And Mr. Dalio asks in his piece, where will the money come from to buy these bonds and fund these deficits? And he answers his own question in that it will certainly come from central banks which will buy the debt that is being produced with freshly printed money. He said this whole dynamic in which sound finance is being thrown out the window will continue and probably accelerate, especially in the reserve currency countries and their currencies. The United States and the dollar, Europe and the euro, and Japan and the yen. But there's more to this problem 
than what we've already discussed. Pension and health care liability payments will also increasingly be coming due. And many who are obligated to pay pensions and health care already don't have enough money to meet their obligations. Now, pension funds are currently using a much higher return assumption than they're actually getting. As a result, over the last dozen years, pensions have become increasingly underfunded, and as time goes on, pension recipients will be affected. Now, Mr. Dalio does make a point that pensions have some funding, but health care obligations are typically pay-as-you-go. And there is a demographic influence in that there's an ever smaller pool of workers to support an ever-growing group of retirees who are fully expecting that the benefits that were promised to them will be paid to them. Now, Mr. Dalio points out, as I often do as well, that there's only three ways to deal with funding shortfalls. You can raise taxes, you can cut spending, or you can print more currency. And the easiest option is the latter one. And Mr. Dalio points out that this course of action threatens the value of existing currencies as a store of wealth. Now, certainly, when you take a look at the real inflation rate, as economist John Williams, who was on the program here about six weeks ago, pointed out, if we calculate the inflation rate today or the dollar devaluation rate today uh, using the calculation methodologies that were used in 1980, we get an inflation rate of approaching 10%. So there is already an effect on inflation and dollar devaluation and using any fiat currency as a store of wealth. Now, Mr. Dalio says, short of printing money to solve these problems, there is a dynamic here where the rich and poor are going to quarrel about how much benefits get cut and to what extent taxes get raised. And then he adds that the wealthy will have an option to move to another jurisdiction with more favorable tax rates, but he sees politicians doing more to trap the wealthy, essentially trap their money, before such a move is possible. Mr. Dalio concludes with this rather scary conclusion. He says, this set of circumstances is unsustainable and certainly can no longer be pushed as it has been pushed since 2008. That is why I believe the world is, approach, is approaching a big paradigm shift. Now, we don't know what that paradigm shift will look like, but one needs to only look at current politics. And no matter how you look at things politically, centrist politicians are become, becoming rarer as the voter base is becoming more frustrated. Now, on last week's program, I interviewed Dr. A. Gary Schilling, who pointed out the fact that voter frustration is rooted in the fact that weekly earnings growth is down from one year ago. You've coupled that with the fact that real median income of 25 to 35-year-olds, 34-year-olds rather, has gone down since 2000 over the last 20 years, and one can understand the frustration. Now, as I have long stated, central banking policies are to blame for this wealth gap that is likely to grow because central bankers are doing the same thing that they've always done. 
Now, central bankers are unlikely to change course until a reset occurs, and then they might just hit the replay button and start in a system just like we have now all over again. Now, the only option that you have is to be as ready as you can should a reset occur. That's why I always suggest a two-bucket approach to managing assets. One bucket contains assets that are selected to survive a reset. The other bucket contains assets that are chosen to protect purchasing power from money printing as it accelerates. There is more information available on the website, Retirement Lifestyle Advocates. I would encourage you to go to the website and check it out. There's lots of free information there. You can also download the podcast version of any of our programs. They are all there. And if you're not yet a subscriber to the Portfolio Watch newsletter, I would encourage you to subscribe. Just go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com, enter your name and email, and every Monday at 5, we'll deliver that newsletter to you. That's all the time I have for this week's program. Hope you got something you can use. I'll be back again next week. <music> 